today's message, a big part of today's message is actually centered around a very recent encounter that I went through. And I hope you guys are okay to hear my story. You know, I will definitely still draw from the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But um, a, a large part of it will come from an encounter that I had with the Lord this year. Okay, you guys cool with that? If you're okay, give me a thumbs up. You guys okay, right? So generally, I'm a little bit nervous one, but um, if you encourage me a little bit, um, I don't know, if you, you, you agree some with something, uh, it helps me a lot. So, okay. Um, I'm also nursing a little bit of a cough, so if I do um, pause and take a drink or like do a sore throat spray and kind of stuff, um, just please excuse me for that, okay? So, anyway, so 2023, it's almost at the tail end of it already, and um, to be honest, it has not been a very easy year for me, personally. And I'm sure some of you here probably could, you know, somewhat identify with it, okay, it's quite a complicated year, or for me was, I think... One of the things that I struggled with was change and uncertainty because I guess as a church here also, um, uh, if you're here long enough and you're a regular in SIBKL, you know that um, as a church, we are also going through a season of transition. And for me, I mean, we all know that transitions are never easy because it's complicated. Well, in a good way or sometimes in a challenging way as well. So I've been asking the Lord, like, how do I navigate through these transitions and change because I don't do well with change. And um, so there's this word that I keep hearing a lot in the Christian circles. And um, I've been thinking about this word for a while. And sometimes I feel like in, in a church setting, it's quite overused also. Um, I'm going to give you a hint. It starts with the word R. What do you all think that word is? <laughs> oh, good one, Esther. Yes, revival is actually on the screen. So it's actually the word revival. So the word is actually not found in the Bible, um, but you know, it's like sometimes even like, hey, don't keep saying the word revival, like, you know, you keep saying it, then, you know, like, what if it don't happen, right? Shy law, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like, why do we talk about it in church so much? Ah, yeah. Or maybe like the pastor is doing their thing again to talk about this whole revival thing. And for me, I'm like, hey, do I, you know, resonate with this word revival? And to be honest, I'm figuring it out as well. And... um. What, what is this whole word revival about? When we hear so much about it, this year we even had like two rallies in Kuching, Malam Pentecosta in September, which was really amazing. And then of course, tribal gathering just over a month ago. And it's all about having revival nights, right? But how many times do you want to have these kind of things? And where does this actually lead us to? To be honest, I'm still wrestling. I'm still figuring it out as well. So just to give you a heads up, like I'm not trying to be a theologian or unpackage what this term, this big term revival is going to be about, but I'm going to be sharing from my own personal journey and the revelation that God has given to me this year, what He downloaded to me, and I hope this would speak to you as well. So the Lord impressed upon my heart, you know, He says that, Miranda, if you want to understand the word revival, you need to first experience what's it like to be in the wilderness. And I'm like, huh? Wilderness? Ah? Like, what, what does that even mean? And maybe a lot of you are asking the same question as well. And I'm going to bring you into a journey of what I discovered wilderness was like this year. So I'm going to bring you to come alongside with me. So I titled clearly today's message, Wilderness to Revival. So to walk through this journey of from wilderness to revival, it starts with three responses. It starts from the calling, which is the call to repentance. 
The second response is the consecration to obedience. And the third response is the communion to become witnesses. Big words, but I'm going to try to unpackage it. And we're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3 to 5. So can you guys read the word together with me? We are a Bible reading church, right? Okay, I'm going to read from the top. That It's only three verses, and I believe you guys can do it much greater than me so that I can rest my voice. Can? All right, let's do it from the top. One, two, three. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places made smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, make straight. Yeah. Has spoken. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Heavenly Father, I just really want to pray and thank you for your word this evening. I'm so encouraged, and I know that you have a fresh word for your church today. Regardless of the people here, whether they are new, they feel excited, or they feel dry, even in the valley of dry bones. Lord, I pray, Lord Father, may your word come alive for every single one of us here. Because we chose to be here in your house, and I believe that the word of the Lord has spoken. So God, I just pray and thank you, and I want to commit this time to your hands. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the first one, the calling you know, to radical repentance. You know, in this word here, to encounter revival, it is a call for radical repentance. When I read this word, it says the voice crying in the wilderness. It means that this person is crying in the wilderness. What he's saying is that this person is actually inside the wilderness. And in this scripture, if you know your Bible well, or at least I can unpackage that for you, the voice that is calling in Isaiah 40 refers to in the prophecy of saying that this person is John the Baptist. So Jesus actually considered John the Baptist among the greatest of all human beings because he chose to remain in the wilderness. There must be something about the wilderness, right? You know, like, you won't anyhow stay inside something or maybe you won't anyhow just come to a place and remain inside if you don't like the place. I really like how Edward, you know, described our services just now. We got free aircon, uh, free music, all that kind of stuff just now, right? You know, amazing, amazing things. It's like, because there is something about this place, that's why you choose to remain inside. And I wonder, actually, what did John the Baptist actually discover in the wilderness that made him choose to stay inside the wilderness, you know, I don't know, and I'm also wrestling and trying to find out about that. So, the word crying, here it means to cry for help or to call the name of the Lord. It also signifies a summon. Basically, it's trying to call everyone, the chosen one. It is actually like a trumpet call to every single one of us. Whenever we think about the word wilderness, we oftentimes think that we tend to veer towards one side of the extreme, and we see it from one side of the spectrum. And when we think about the wilderness season, we only think about it as a season that is difficult, unproductive, or sometimes it's a place where we just tahan, we endure, because we know that this, we have this perspective that the wilderness is a temporary place, that we just tahan and one day we will get out of it. Because one day, this place, we will come out of it eventually. There's usually a negative connotation to what this 
word wilderness actually represents. When you think about the word wilderness, you think about dryness, you think about what? Being lost, you think about being empty, you think about being barren. There's nothing amazing or exciting about the word wilderness. But why does John the Baptist love to stay there? I don't know. You know, most people focus on getting out of the wilderness, but wilderness ought to be understood from a different perspective according to what its purpose is. In order to experience revival, there needs to be a response to a call, a call to dwell in the wilderness. You know, many have actually entered in, but also many has not been willing to enter it. The voice is saying to the people outside of the wilderness, you know, the voice is calling from within. The voice of one crying in the wilderness is calling and saying, I'm calling you and I'm crying to let you know that you need to be here. Not to leave, not to get out of a wilderness, but to come inside of this wilderness. He's calling us as a church, as an individual, as a follower of Christ. Or maybe for some of you, you may be not a believer yet but you're still seeking, but there is actually a voice calling you and drawing you in and say, will you choose wilderness? Unpopular choice, but that is the way of the Lord. I sense that some of you have been praying for something and waiting on something. When we think about wilderness, it's always a time of waiting, a time of like pressing on, a time of barrenness, emptiness. But the greatest test of revival it's actually whether you can say, God, in my barrenness, you are still good. In my barrenness, I still believe in you. That is the greatest test of what revival is in our hearts. And because this wilderness place is like a desert, right? That is a place of barrenness and it calls to even reveal the unmet expectations of our hearts. And because of that, it tests us and reveals the true conditions of our hearts. What are you chasing after? I felt the Lord asked me this question, you know, perhaps maybe even asking some of us here as well. It's November already. How have you lived your 2023? And the question that I felt the Lord asked me is, Miranda, am I enough? Am I enough for you? Or are you still praying and waiting and seeking and asking? But if I don't give you any answers, are you okay with that? You know, this exposes the deepest desires of our hearts because it, it's seemingly showing us one thing. The possibility of just that deep communion with our Heavenly Father God is just being in His presence enough. You know, the word says here, you need to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, the next word it says here, prepare, right? What does that look like? The word prepare, it means to turn away or to look towards. There is an intentionality to encounter revival. It is a call for radical repentance. You know, and the beauty of it is such a timely day that we just did a communion. And I hope that even as we did communion just now, you didn't do it flippantly, but you did it soberly. That it is a call for radical repentance. You know, repentance is more than just saying, forgive me, Lord. Repentance is saying, 
I want to turn away from my old ways and I want to come into wilderness in your presence. I want to be with you, even if it takes stripping off everything that I have. You know, there is only two directions, towards God or away from God. Two directions. Which do you choose? You know, the word wrestle came to me because it has been such a wrestling year to me that there are so many questions that I have, so many answers that I'm seeking for, and perhaps certain changes that I'm even personally not comfortable with. And I feel like it's happening in many of our hearts as well. And because the world we live in sometimes looks more attractive, there are many choices out there in the world that you can choose from. But if I say, choose God, choose the church, choose serving Him, would you wrestle and make that decision for the Lord? You know, there's a wrestle to keep remaining above reproach when we choose to live a life a certain way. Are you faced with a challenge in your life where you're caught between having to choose? I have many, many times. You know, I felt the Lord spoke to me, Miranda, where are you in this? Are you inside the wilderness, calling people, crying out and calling people into the wilderness, being a messenger just like John the Baptist? Or are you still standing outside and folding your arms and thinking, do I really want to go in? You know, is there a voice calling you but you're hesitating to respond? I know it's such a sobering message for a Saturday afternoon, right? But I feel like the Lord is saying something to our church. The Lord is saying something to His bride. You know, Jesus said in Luke 5 verse 32, He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Which leads me to my next point. The journey to wilderness, to revival, we need to go through a time of consecration. Because through consecration, you experience a radical obedience. You know, in Isaiah 44, it says, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked place shall be made straight, and the rough place made smooth. The choice of consecration is saying that you're saying to God and say, God, I want to radically be obedient to you. It is when the refining process in your life begins. To be consecrated is to be set apart. To saying yes to things in the wilderness that is unpopular compared to the things of the world. And you're saying that, God, I want to make space for you. I want to make room for you. And I don't want to allow you into my life. Because you're actually saying, God, I want to make a highway for you. You're actually saying, okay, create a way for you to enter. But the reality of it is, you cannot enter when there isn't a road. Because there are different kinds of obstacles. There are blockages. There are potholes. There are crooked roads. And there are rough edges in our lives. And I feel like the Lord wants to reveal that to some of us today. He's revealing to us that there are valleys that need to be brought up. You know, think about a highway. Any engineers and architects in the house, urban planners, anyone? Yeah, I see some hands right there. You know, when you want to build a highway, a lot of work needs to be done, right? A lot of constructions need to take place. It requires work. There needs to be intention. There needs to be action. And when, when the Lord says, when you say this to the Lord, I want to be purified. I want to be tried by fire. I want to make way for you. Then the work needs to be done. 
And God is speaking to some of us, if not all of us here today. Some things in your life needs to be lifted up. Every valley shall be exalted. What Isaiah is saying here is that there is going to be like a filling process. You know, valleys are like, you know, a U-shape down, right? There is a hole. And in order to build a highway, that valley needs to be filled because there's a cracked hole. There is a low place. There is a low spot in your life. Whether is it a low spot in your walk with God or we have placed certain things in our lives that allowed it to be hollow. Those places must be filled in order for revival to happen in our lives. When there is a hole, there is dryness. And then some things need to be lowered down. Every mountains and hills shall be made low. This refers to like a lowering process. What it says here, you know, it needs to be lowered down. A mountain is basically something that is higher than the, than the normal landscape of the ground. And throughout history, mountains and hills have always been made as barriers to a man's progress. You need to tear down barriers in your life that stands between your relationship with God. Everyone here has a mountain. There is an obstacle. I don't know what kind of mountains you're going through. We all have attitudes. We all have actions. We have passions. And there needs to be brought down so that God can move like what He desires to. You know, when a mountain is brought down, low places are filled as well. That's how highways get built. Some things need to be lined up. The crooked places shall be made straight. When you think about the word crooked, right? What's the other word for crooked when you describe a person that is crooked? What do you guys think? Someone that is? Fake? Did someone say fake? Fake or maybe even to some degree dishonest, right? That means what the Lord is actually saying is there something in your life that is maybe fake, maybe dishonest, deceiving. When you promise one thing, but you deliver another, you break promises. Or maybe you say that, God, this year I want to do this, this year I want to do that. But now, may you examine your life in November. Did you do it? Wow. You know, it just got me thinking so much about just looking even into my life. Are there gray areas? That's what crooked paths are. Gray areas. Have we compromised in certain things in our decisions? In the eyes of the world, it looks okay. Because the world says it's okay, so it's okay. But is it okay in the eyes of God? When we say that we want revival, we need to identify those areas in our lives where we have made certain wrong roads and we need to get back on track with Him because you have gone crooked. You know, maybe some of us in our work, even in our relationships, we have made certain wrong choices or maybe our lives, we have been holding on to self-righteousness because it's so subtle. No one can see if you are really, truly humble or not. Or maybe there is pride, refuse to admit that you're wrong or deaf to His call when the Lord calls. I feel like the Lord is calling us to even reflect in our lives even right now. Is there a crooked place in your life that needs to be made straight? Because we all have wrong paths. He's calling for a people who would carry the heart of submission, surrender, and obedience. And then some things and rough places need to be made smooth. It needs to be leveled out. What is the smoothing process? You know what a smoothing process is? It's basically the roads are rough. It is impassable. 
it is dubious, it is doubtful, it's questionable. You know, when I think about this word, this person got some rough edges. What does that mean? That means there are some imperfections in the person, but a bit only lah. Right? Small imperfections, small cracks. And they can, but the reality of it is, you know, there's this one time that a, a little pebble actually fell on my windscreen and there was a small crack. And I realized that, yeah, small crack only ma, should be okay one lah. So I just left it for months. And I realized when months passed and I didn't do anything about it, you guys realize the crack will actually crack even more. And it becomes longer and longer, especially when you, you are driving really very fast in like, you know, in fast speed, and it actually breaks the windscreen. You know, are there things in your life right now that there are rough edges, there are small imperfections, but you're not careful because you don't deal with it? And all these small things are subtle, but it can, it can erupt to become big when you don't treat it, just like cancer, you know? If you don't do anything to treat a certain disease, it can spread. And I feel like the Lord is revealing certain things in our hearts right now as a church, as an individual, as a follower of Christ, or maybe someone who is even a seeker, that I felt that the Lord wants to point out something about us, you know? I've listed out a couple of things even as I prayed, Lord, what are the things that you want to reveal or even convict your people even today? And I feel like all these places that need to be lifted up and lowered down, lined up and leveled out, there are just so many. There are just so many kinds. And there are just certain specifics that I felt the Lord has put in my heart is that some people have maybe neglected their prayer lives. Have you been praying to the Lord regularly? Your Bible reading, how's your Bible reading plan coming along? Or punch it already, you know? And um, I believe like the districts right now are taking records and all that. We're not here to police you, but we're here to encourage you, right? As a church, we want to read the word together, but how has that been for you? There are some physical barriers as well, and maybe some of you have been neglecting your health. Have you been eating healthy? I know it's a really small thing, but it can grow into a big thing if you're not healthy. You can't function when you're not healthy, you know? Like me, you know, like I'm, I've been coughing for over the last one month. I'm not sure why it's taking so long for this cough to heal. But I realized I have been quite bad with my diet as well. I love spicy stuff. I still eat chili pan mi. I still eat all the spicy stuff. But it's terrible until like I was hanging out with a friend and she just told me, Brenda, you got to stop. How are you going to get well if you're going to keep like doing all these subtle things and you don't really take care of your throat, you know? And I feel like there are other things as well. What are some of the things that the Lord is revealing to you today? Could it be unforgiveness? Could it be busyness? I felt the Lord put that in my heart. Have you been too busy for the Lord? Have you been too busy to make time for self? Too busy to make time for church? Too busy to make time for even, to some degree, your own family? Is that gossip that is ha happening in your life? Those are rough edges because they are so subtle. Have you been talking bad about people? And I feel the Lord is calling that out and say, hey, if you want to see revival in your heart, you want to see revival in the church, you want to see revival in this nation, start with you first. And all these things need to be lifted up, lowered down, lined up, and leveled out. Amen?
So take a close look at your own lives. I want to just encourage you that, you know, we are not here to call people out to embarrass anyone, but it's because it is a loving thing to do. All of us here are family. And that is why I feel like as the Lord impresses all this in my heart, I'm just a messenger, just like John the Baptist, calling you even to a time of radical repentance. Because when you repent, then only you will consecrate. When you repent, then only you will walk through a journey of obedience. Because our actions are the conditions of our hearts. You know, in the busyness of our lives, we just set aside time in the wilderness with God and let the Lord examine your heart. The consecration in wilderness is an invitation to choose life before God. And as long as we continue to give place to other things like distractions, other alternative affections, and even false beliefs or broken mindsets, the Lord cannot enter in because the road is broken. Are you willing to let the Lord fix that? Because the Lord is never forceful. He only comes in by invitation when there is a highway for Him to enter. You know, these things are like roadblocks to our breakthrough. The Lord would enter, but would you make a highway for Him? Would you choose consecration so that you will walk in radical obedience? Because when you walk in radical obedience, that's where the glory of the Lord be revealed. Amen? You know, when you walk into the glory of the Lord, that's where you come in communion with Him. Because when you are in communion with Him, you become radical witnesses for Him. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, the third response to, exp to experience wilderness to revival is to come in communion with God and to behold Him together. To say that, wow, God, being with you is the best thing that I can have in my whole life. It is a collective journey. It is not a lonely journey, but it's a collective journey because it says all flesh shall see it together. To fix your eyes upon Him because when His people gather together in wilderness, He delights in the hearts of His people when their hearts are surrendered, right? Because they choose the call of radical obedience, radical repentance, and when they do that, God delights in them and He dwells together with them. Jesus, I just want to say this. I felt like the Lord put this in my heart. It is not a popular thing to say, but Jesus is not returning for a church to be satisfied with her success. But He's returning for a church dissatisfied with His absence. Are we that kind of church? That we are hungry for His presence? That we don't want to leave until we touch the cloak of Jesus? that He's returning for a church dissatisfied for His absence, a church filled with the longing of Jesus to receive the final reward of His suffering. What a beautiful song we sang just now. Ganjaran actually means reward. Jesus, you're my greatest reward. Even if the world gives me nothing, even when you give me nothing, whatever that I call for, that you don't give me my need, but all I need is your presence. All I need is your Holy Spirit and that is my final reward. That is the radical call to design to say, God, I love being in your wilderness. 
God is raising up messengers again to call His people back to the wilderness. When you dwell in me, gaze upon my love, my beauty together. You know, I, when I first came back to Malaysia, I was studying in Australia, and I felt God called me home to Malaysia. That I had a comfortable time in Australia, but I felt God says, come home to your own homeland. And I remember that time I was maybe about 23 or 24, a fresh grad, and the Lord actually gave me a picture in one of the prayer meetings that I actually came for Tuesdays. You know, yeah, newsflash, I love going to prayer meetings back then. Now too, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I went to prayer meeting, back then we called it prayer meeting, right? Many years ago, I had this vision that the Lord gave me for Malaysia because I didn't have a heart for my country because I loved Australia more than Malaysia then. And when I came back, He showed me the map of Malaysia and He showed me me. It's like a picture of me being a matchstick. And for me, I really wanted to do something to change, you know, the, really the, the atmosphere and the landscape of young people in Malaysia. I don't know why. But because that's why I was so pumped up and excited to come back from overseas. But the Lord showed me this. When you are one matchstick and when you're alone, the fire will die. But when you gather many, many, many matchsticks together, you can set the whole country ablaze. And wow, I was just so so just drawn by that image. And I was just so desperate. And I was just so excited to see what the Lord has been doing and will be doing even in our nation because I saw the map of Malaysia on fire for the Lord. You know, John 15, it says, Abide in me and I will abide in you. When His people abide and commune together, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Because the Word of God says, when there is unity, God commands His blessings. When His people gather, another, another scripture, it says, when two or three are gathered, there He is in our midst. And that is what we call the church. The church is called to be a radical witness for His glory. I had a revelation that the church is a place of wilderness. Unpopular word to use, but it is. God wants to raise up a generation that would challenge people with a different kind of lifestyle, a generation of a different spirit, one that will hunger and choose the things of God over what the world can offer them. And that is my cry for the, the generation that is to come. Because that was what I saw over 10 years ago, a nation on fire for God. And I still want to believe and see that this will come to pass. Chose wilderness, chose repentance, chose consecration, chose obedience and be a radical witness for His truth. Young people, come on. You know, I was reminded of this story in... Um, uh, just, just a couple of months back, you know, when we had Malam Pentecosta. Um, and as you can see from this picture here, I had a very different role. Um, I was actually a chaperone and my role was to actually bring, um, bring pastors around. I was a driver and um, I had the privilege to drive um, about maybe about three pastors, three or four pastors, and two of them were from Gareja Mawa Sharon and one was from FGA CYC. And as you can see from the picture there, that guy right there is Pastor Jonathan. And that guy just up there, um, his name is Pastor Evan. Um, I just want to share a little bit of what I caught from his life because we had a lot of good conversations. And I remember having this conversation with him and I asked him, Pastor Evan, why do you choose to live in Kuching? Basically, what happened is that 
he, decide, he decided to move to Kuching at the age of 27, he's really young, to pioneer a church in Kuching and he became kind of like the pastor in charge of the GMS churches in Borneo. And the guy behind there, um, sitting at the seat just behind, is Pastor Morrow together with him. And that is actually his uh, mentor. So what happened was that Pastor Morrow actually asked him this, would you move to Kuching and start a church here and oversee the church plants in Borneo? And when, I shared, when he shared his story, I asked him this, did you have to pray a lot about this? It must be really hard for you to move to a different country, right? It must have been really quite a challenge for you. But you know, when he looked at me, when I asked that question, he was like, no, Pastor Miranda, why would that be hard? I didn't even pray about it. I just said yes. I felt so embarrassed asking that question, you know. And, then he, and I asked him why. And he shared this with me. It was the vision, the church vision of Gorija Marwa Sharon. It says here, it is to build 1,000 strong local churches with 1 million discipleship or disciples of Christ. And he told me this, because I believe in this vision. And all I need to say is, yes. And he gave up his life in Surabaya and he moved to Kuching without a shadow of doubt. And I remember when he actually recited that vision when he says, because I have a calling and an assignment to build a church so that we can win one million disciples for Christ. And he said it in tears. I was just shocked. And I realized that this guy is 27. And I just asked the stupidest question in the universe, asking him, did you have to pray about it? You know, I want to believe that God is building more radical witnesses like this in this church, in this nation. And because the, His presence is to choose to be in His church, I want to say, God, please do it again. Do it again, God. You know, in this time and season, we are in November right now, and in less than two months' time, it's Christmas. Perhaps God is even tugging in our hearts right now. Is there someone that you would like to visit, just invite even into this place in the house of God to experience God, God's presence, to experience His wilderness because His wilderness is radical. His wilderness revives hearts. His wilderness breaks chains. Do you believe that? Is there someone that you're thinking about or God is even stirring in your heart right now to invite to come for Christmas? or even start inviting now, connecting with them. You know, just a, just a month ago, we had tribal gathering, right? And um, I was just, just showing this picture where this is tribal gathering. And um, I was just there and I want to share a meaningful story that I felt that the Lord um, really spoke to me when I was there. There were so many people gathered there and... I was very moved by particularly that picture in the middle there where Pastor Chiu was actually holding the hands of Pastor Solomon Bulan. It was actually a mark of repentance at a time when um, there has been a lot of um, brokenness even in relationships in the Chinese West Malaysians together with the East Malaysian natives. And there was a time of reconciliation that actually took place. And I remember one of the pastors said, we are now one family. After that whole you know, meaningful act of asking for forgiveness from each other. And you know, 
what happened there was that I was standing there watching that whole incident and I was standing next to a friend and I remember she put her arms around me and I think she was praying but I don't know what she was saying and when, when I left because we were all on duty and we were busy and she dropped me a text and she said this to me, just stay in the lane. I felt the Lord is telling you this, just stay in the lane. I've called, stay in the lane that I've called you to. The, Lord, the road will rise upwards. You will flourish not in your strength, but His. She just dropped me that text in WhatsApp and I was like, wow. And that hit my heart because I was wrestling with certain insecurities. I was wrestling with what the future holds. And it was a very meaningful word for me because I was going for a hike at the Pinnacles right after the event at, at um, yeah, woohoo, right? Okay, you know, right after the event and I was going to go to Mulu. So I'm going to take you on this part of the story, my hiking journey, and my story begins here. Bear with me, okay? Um, it's going to be a very sobering one, but I'll try to share what I caught from this journey. So from this picture here, um, I think you should show the previous one. Um, this is what it, the previous picture shows. This is what it looks like on the trail. It's probably the toughest hike that I've ever done in my life. Oh my goodness. Is there the other picture? I think there's another picture. This one. None of this picture represents me because I was too scared to take pictures because I, I care for my life more. Um, you know, if Bukit Tabo was hard, anyone hiked Bukit Tabo before? Yeah? If Bukit Tabo was hard, someone wrote in a blog and says that this is Bukit Tabo on steroids. It is hard, okay? The trails were all rocky. The ascent was all 45 degrees to 90 degrees on some parts. It was also muddy because it was monsoon season. So clever, right? We went hiking during monsoon season. Um, and as you can see from the picture here right in the middle, that is actually a hollow hole. Basically, if you miss a step, you basically fall into a pit and you might either get seriously injured or you might even die. It's that, it's that scary, okay? So when I was actually there, I was like, what on earth did I sign up for? Because I was quite, quite silly la, that I didn't actually do any research to find out um, what, is, what is the journey like. I, I, did, I did train a little bit, la, got la, a bit. But I thought, okay, a bit should be alright. But Manatau, it was super scary, okay? So the trail was actually all rocky, it's bad. And what happened was that when we were there, we had a local guide, his name is Uncle Andy. And he was actually a very wise and professional guide. So he did a little bit of an observation about the dynamics of our group. And then he decided to position on the day when we were going to hike, he positioned our hikers um, in a certain way so that those that he felt personally needs a bit more attention from him right behind him. And they will be the ones that will set the pace, right? And so the rest of us, there was about 10 of us, will just follow from behind. So the last part of the trail towards the peak was what we call the danger zone. What you're seeing here, I think this is the danger zone, right? The one right in the middle. The one where we actually had to climb 17 ladders while keeping your eyes focused not to slip because if you do, you might die, okay? Yeah, you might even lose your life, right? And so, I don't know, I was thinking like, will I die here? I so don't know lah. But it was a very long and challenging hike and... Um, I arrived at the peak at around 12.30pm, which was considered quite late for arrival. 
So you should see the picture right now that I arrived. That's me right there. <laughs> I made it to the top. <laughs> Quite proud of myself. But truth be told, that smile on my face doesn't really re represent how I truly feel in that picture because I was aching in pain and I was dying. I was tired, my legs was like jelly because I was constantly stepping on sharp rocks. I couldn't feel my legs. And it was a picture that was forced with a smile because I almost didn't want to take a picture until my friend said, you're going to regret it if you don't, okay? So he actually pushed me to the front and said, go now, I take picture for you. Okay, if not, I won't have this picture here, right here. And um, at the time, because it wasn't a, a kind of place where like Kinabalu, where you can just sit there, bask in the beauty and all that. There was no proper place to sit down. Everything was just sharp and painful. And I just wanted to leave. Like, so terrible, right? It's like, you go up there, you should be enjoying a bit. But the reality of it is that Uncle Andy was actually rushing us to get down because we got up late. Because we need to leave because if we don't leave right now, we're going to hike in the dark after sunset and it's very dangerous. Okay? So, so that comes the dreaded moment when I was about to leave. I was like, okay, coming down, Tialat ready. Uh oh. You know, because it takes double the time to get down. The 17 ladders were extremely scary because we had to take every step very carefully to avoid slipping. You better pray that you don't taukan or you, you get cramps in your legs because you are gone if that happens, right? And, um, but the truth of the matter is that I managed to get down the 17 ladders and by the time I hit the, I think it was already the two-kilometer mark, my legs were dead. It was like gone. I started to slow down and I, I let people pass me. Then I decided that, you know what? Everybody just go first because my knees were aching really very badly because of the pressure that I had to keep, you know, going downwards when you hike down. It's actually quite painful. And I decided to be the last in the group. And I was basically, this, I, I basically decided to stuck with, stick with the sweeper. Um, the sweeper means the person who is last and he happened to be our second guide and his name is Jimmy. And I, I realized that I was last. When I realized that I was last, right, negative thoughts start to form in my mind. Anyone can relate to that when you're last? Like suddenly you feel like, ah yeah, lose their ma, just give up lah, right? And I started to entertain those thoughts. And one of the thoughts was, this is the worst holiday ever. <laughs> and that was... That was lingering in my mind the whole time. And I was actually angry at myself for answering the call to this trip. The call, okay? And I even wanted to put the blame, I needed to push that blame to someone. And I was thinking, I was even picturing the face of my friend by the name Paul who invited me for this trip. And I said, you know, when I come down and I reach base, I'm going to scold him kao kao for inviting me for this trip, okay? My knees hurt so bad that I told Jimmy, that I need to crawl down backwards. So he went ahead of me, and because I was mentally gone already, that I couldn't even think, and all I did was to depend on him saying, pijak sini, pijak sini, pijak sini. What it means is, step here, step here, step here. I wasn't even looking, I just depended on his voice, and I just stepped. And I trusted him by faith all the way. And it rained, I think, at least four times on the way down. It was not drizzle, ah. it was... Heavy rain. On the way down, it made the hike even more miserable that I felt like I wanted to sit there and cry. Because for every hundred, you laugh lah, you go and try and see. Uh, okay, yeah. For every hundred meter, 
it would take me at least 30 minutes to reach every 100 meter because it is a very hard hike because you need to make sure that you're stepping on proper grounds. If not, you'll slip and fall. And I honestly, at that time, I just wanted to finish the hike. It wasn't just a physical game, but it was very mental as well. Some people even said that it is even harder than climbing Mount Kinabalu, by the way. Go and ask them, see whether they, they can verify that or not. And I knew, to be honest, at that time, I couldn't continue like this anymore. Through that journey, I had a lot of falls. I fell down a lot. I was contemplating whether to show the picture of my legs with all the bruise, but maybe not too, too TMI. <laughs> and um, I was just really wrestling with a mindset shift moment that the whole hike was a journey of consecration. When I need to change my mindset, basically I need to fill valleys, break mountains, I need to make my crooked thoughts straight, and I really need to just not entertain any rough thoughts. I decided to focus on the climb and who I was with, Jimmy. I even started to sing the Miley Cyrus song in my head. Anyone knows that song? In about how fast I get there, in about what's waiting on the other side, it's the climb. <laughs> I was singing it in my head because I really need to psych myself and say, you know what, Miley Cyrus, you got to accompany me today, okay, until I get down there. And um, I started to have small chats with Jimmy and he told me, hey, you know what, uh, Banyak orang nangis tau dalam itu hike ini. So I was like, wow, so encouraging all. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, a lot of people cry in this hike. So it's okay to cry. He was trying to tell me that, okay. And I laughed, okay. I was like, wow, wow this guy, uh, like, say lah, something more encouraging, right? So I laughed and I told him, let's celebrate and cheer, shall we? Whenever we reach every 100 meter, we will cheer. Yay, like that. And then I was trying to be all spiritual, uh, thinking about Joshua, the 12 stones, how, how the Lord actually, you know, asked Joshua to put like milestones to remember um, all the memorials of the good things of the Lord, right? So I was trying to be spiritual. And then by 7pm, it was pitch black already. It was still 1.2 kilometers to go and it started to rain again. I honestly felt like a loser. I wanted to cry. It was bad. And... Um, when it was pitch black dark, I had to use the, the headlamps and I realised that my headlamps were, were only 20 ringgit and guess how amazing the quality was? <laughs> Very bad. Can't even see a thing, man. And um, I was so nervous because I told that, you know what? I told Jimmy, hey Jimmy, you better shine your headlights on my feet because I can't see a thing. And you know, I had a God moment. I realised that Jimmy was like my Jesus. He was, eh, not that way lah, what are you talking, okay? Yeah. He was, he was like a picture of Jesus reflecting the verse, your word is a lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. At the 700 meter mark, Jimmy decided to turn around. What he did was because I was originally crawling backwards and then he decided to turn around and what he did was he put his hands out like that to me. And that wrecked me. Because when he put his arms out, I just automatically just held it. And I decided to face him. I grabbed his hand as he stretched out his hands and he decided to hike backwards, supporting my weight and lighten the pressure of my knees all the way 700 meters down. There were moments that I slipped. He managed to catch me. I realized when I was facing him, 
our pace was slightly faster compared to me crawling backwards. I felt like the Lord was saying, don't look back at the former things. When you face backwards, you will slow down. When you face me, you will walk towards your destiny. It was a picture of Jesus. I felt it was a picture of Jesus saying to me, just hold on to me. Don't let go. I will risk my life for you. I will catch you when I fall. You know, when Jimmy was there, I felt like Jesus was there. And I felt safe. It's like, you know, go back 11pm also can lah, as long as you're here. You know? No, I'm kidding. Actually, no, I want to get back ASAP. You know? And I know I will get there. You know, I felt like perhaps some of you could relate to me. The hike was horrendous. Will I actually um, recommend you guys to hike Mulut Pinnacles? Ask me another day, okay? Um, I felt that perhaps some of you, you could relate on, to me how I felt on this hike. I know it's 6.30 already, but do bear with me, is that okay? 2023 has been a very tough year for some of you. There's this spirit of giving up, casting lies in your mind and saying that maybe some of you, you have taken the road less taken, that you chose the ways of God, but people are challenging you that it is actually hard and you feel like you want to give up. Whether is it a relationship that you let go of, maybe a contract that you let go of, or something of that sort. I just felt there was something that came to my mind. Or an addiction that you choose to break. And you, you're starting to feel the repercussions of it and say, I can't do this anymore. I feel like giving up. But I felt the Lord is saying, just like how He spoke to me, don't focus on the goal. Focus on me. Don't focus on giving up on the addiction, but focus on being with me. Focus on the climb. Because I am here. Commune with me. And I never promise you that it's going to be easy, but I promise you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, for me, we finally arrived at base. Guess what time? Anyone wants to guess? Close. Someone said 9. Okay, i give you a sweet later. I arrive at 9.05. Okay? <laughs> I finish last. Okay? The first shall be the last. Can I be spiritual here? <laughs> okay? And I'm going to show you a video of me arriving at base. And hang on for a moment. Huh? I want you to imagine with me. I felt God impressed this on my heart that I need to do this, okay? I know it's 6.30, but please bear with me. Huh? The Lord has called you and you're in this crazy journey of consecration and refining. Someone here that you're feeling like you're on this crazy hike that you're on and you're at the verge of giving up. But I want to believe and imagine this with me in this video that this is you. This video is for you when you hear the voices of the people at the background. Whether you want to close your eyes, you want to open and just watch that video, that's basically me coming down and arriving at base. And I feel like the Lord is speaking to some of you that you are still on that hike. And I want you to imagine with me that there will be a great cloud of witnesses cheering you when you arrive. Can we watch the video right now? Yep. The lights are here. Yep, the lights are here. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Well done! Woo! Congratulations! You made it! 
show right at the end because you can see a group of people just standing there waiting for my arrival. You know, in scripture it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Can we read it together? I feel like we should, right? Let's read the word of God together. Come from the top. Therefore, a journey from wilderness to revival, right? It is the worst holiday ever, but the most memorable one ever too. I just felt like I needed to do this. I was sitting there just now. I feel like some of you here in this room, no one has encouraged you on this journey for a long time. And I felt that I want to do something prophetic. Is that okay? I feel like we need to cheer for each other right now. And I don't know who is sitting next to you. It might be a stranger to you. It could be your family member. It could be someone that you're very close to. And no one, you're going through maybe a very challenging hike. And no one has encouraged you. I feel like we need to clap for each other and say, Wow, well done. Congratulations. Can we do that? Come on, your biggest cheer to your neighbour. Come on. Be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses because let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning His shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. Don't lose your cause and keep going. It's the climb. Keep your eyes focused on the author and the perfecter of your faith. I want to just show you a really quick picture of Jimmy, my hero. <laughs> okay, there's Jimmy right there. And um, you know, you know what's beautiful about this? I realized something, you know. Jimmy is actually a Penan. He is from the Penan tribe. And I remember when he held my hands, I had a revelation that he is a Penan. And if you remember two weeks ago when Pastor Chiu was preaching, he was actually talking about the Penan tribe experiencing a revival. And that tribe is just somewhere below Mulu. And that is his tribe. And I realized when I held his hands, I felt that he was lending me strength. 
when we always talk about, you know, we need to help the natives. But I felt that their childlike faith, his simplicity of life has helped me. He gave me strength. And I believe that the Lord is doing something here. He is showing me and showing us a picture of family. That in this road of repentance, of obedience and of witnessing, you don't walk this journey alone. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, amen. And this, I just want to show a, a group picture. This is my great cloud of witnesses at the hike. You know, Uncle Tony, he came all the way just to support. He's right there. He was the one that made me Maggie me when I just arrived. Um, you know, Cheryl, Diane, Yvonne, they're not here because they're on a cell retreat. Sky, Elvin, Paul, Joy, Helen, Rowan, Jimmy, and Uncle Andy. I want to say, if you're, I believe you'll be watching in online. I want to see all of you at the finishing line at every hike. And I want to believe in this lifetime, I pray that I will see you in eternity as well. We all have a great cloud of witnesses. Who are they? I want to challenge you, you know. Another group of great cloud of witnesses that I felt the Lord has put in my heart is my campus students. Thank you for being my great cloud of witnesses. Thank you for fighting for repentance. Thank you for fighting for obedience. Thank you for fighting to be witnesses for the Lord. Amen. Come on, campus community, you're going to be amazing. Because revival will spark when we are all in this together. And it is a promise because the Lord has spoken. It's in verse 5. I believe the Lord is saying, let's cheer each other together as a church. And if you don't have a community yet, I've always believed that there is no coincidence in the house of God. It is by divine appointment that you are here. And I pray that you will find a community here. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. No one will miss the sight of God. Amen. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It is His promise. From wilderness to revival. Come on. There is a call to repentance. There is a consecration to obedience. There is a communion to witness and share the good news to the world. Come on. I just felt like I just want to pray. I know we're running out of time, but I do want to open the altar, but I will close so that if you feel called and you want to be prayed for, you can. I, I want to just invite you out because there are a few groups of people that the Lord has put in my heart. That there are people here in this room, I sense, that you have chosen the narrow road, that you chose the way of God. You made unpopular choices and you, have, you are now facing a lot of obstacles. You're at the verge of giving up. I don't know what it is. It could be an addiction that you're trying to break, that you're sober for a while or whatever, and you feel like you're almost at the brink of giving up and going back. But I say, no, stop it. Focus your eyes on Jesus and keep walking towards the call of wilderness. Amen? Amen. Maybe it was a wrong relationship choice that you just broke up from a relationship and you're like, did I do the right thing? But if it's, if it's a decision that honors God, I want you to believe that if you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, He will restore and He will redeem. The Lord says, look to me for strength. Hold my hand and you will finish that hike. The second group of people, the Lord is asking, am I enough for you? Would you come away with me and revive your heart to love me again? The third group of people, I feel like maybe some of you, your heart is racing there is something nudging in you. Basically, what I'm calling is either you could 
you could have walked away from church for a very, very long time. But today, somehow you are here, or maybe the Lord lured you to come here, or even it could be even a friend. Would you accept this invitation? Would you accept this call? I can be like the messenger John the Baptist calling you. Would you come back into the wilderness, the church? Would you come back to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour back into your heart? Or maybe for some of you here, you are here and you do not yet know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. And this is my call to you now as a messenger. This is my call to you to enter into a wilderness because this is the best place that you, that you can be because He's a God who will never leave you and He will never forsake you. If you have a broken valley in your life, you have a mountain that you need to break, you have a narrow road that you need to walk through, you have a crooked road that needs to be made straight, that you have a rough place that needs to be made smooth, the only person that can walk you through that is Jesus. And I want to invite you on this journey and say, Jesus, come on this highway with me. Hold my hand. Walk me through this hike. I'm going to pray and even as we sing the worship song, if whatever that I shared just now, if that is you today, I want you to put up your hands. If I could see that, if that is you today, that you want to accept Jesus into your heart for the very first time. Or maybe you have walked away from God for a long time and you want to bring, accept Jesus back into your heart, if that's you, can you lift up your hands so that we can see you? Anyone here? Anyone from the balcony? I think I see there's one hand, right? And I want you to take that step of faith. Later on, even as we worship, I want you to stand up and come forward and I'm just going to close. And you feel led to be prayed for, the altar is open. What I've shared just now resonated with you. I feel like the Lord is calling you to respond. There are three responses. Respond to the call. Respond to be consecrated. And respond to commune with Him. Amen. The altar is open. Shall we just rise to our feet even as we sing this song? And I'm going to close shortly so that those, if you need to go, you can go. Thank you, Jesus.